This is the I'm Kinda Famous Podcast. I'm your host, Lester Rowe. New week, new episode on iTunes, Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Kinda Famous Pod, K-I-N-D-A, Famous Pod. You can find that on Twitter and Facebook. Facebook is where all the conversation happens. That's why I'm going to link anything I talk about that's relevant to the show will be on the Facebook page. That's where you find all the back shows is on the Facebook page. Also, arrowfilms.com is where you can watch anything that I done made. That's my personal website. Go there, A-R-O-W-E-Films.com. And you got to get them clean-ass people collector shirts. Or whatever merchandise I put. That's on the red bubble. That's going to be in the show notes. So you can link there directly and go find something you want to buy and purchase and be clean as fuck and one of them clean-ass people collectors. Now, I may make a I'm Kind of Famous shirt or something. I don't know. You can get it from there. But anyway, this week is a Kind of Famous interview. A Kind of Famous interview. I'm going to talk to one of my Kind of Famous friends, and we're going figure to figure out why and how they're Kind of Famous. And through that, you'll figure out why I should be kind of famous. I made my own podcast so I can do this. But anyway, so this week I got somebody. I got a rap artist. I'm going to call her a femcy because she don't like that. And I'm probably going to be the first interview she does where the host says her name right. (laughs) She just came out with a new... Uh, album called Sanity Heat Number Heat You can go get that on Bandcamp I think you can also get that On iTunes as well And the Google Play Store Most streaming stores that's Wherever you go to stream music Maybe even title I ask So Without any further ado My kind of famous friend On the I'm kind of famous podcast Tilio So how are you doing? Pretty good. How about yourself? Don't worry about me. I'm good. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be like the craziest interview because as much of a hard time as you always give to this to be quite interesting. Well, we're going to see. But, so I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask whatever I want to ask because I know you. That's really going to be, it's going to suck. <laughs> Go ahead. We'll see. All right, so first, before we get too deep into the conversation, why don't you let the people know, how did you, how exactly did you get started in rap? Um, I actually started writing poetry, and then someone told me I should rap, and then I was like, probably not, and then someone taught me how to count bars, and from that moment on, it was kind of like I started writing music, and then someone, Jay Juice, had ended up put me on a song and I was like totally clueless as to how to record or anything, but he was like, just spit it. And from that moment I like fell in love and 
started doing my own thing. Here I am. So you started with poetry, but how, what about poetry made, how was that transition? Because poetry, saying a poem doesn't always translate well into rap, even though people would like to think that it should be seamless. How did you do it? Well, it wasn't poems like Roses are Red, Violets are Blue. It was like really deep material. So it was kind of like, I guess almost like a song. It was just not in music form. So you said someone taught you how to count bars. Correct. Do you remember, like, was the the, the song that you got on the first song that you ever tried to make? Was that the first song I ever tried to make? No, that was the first song I recorded. Um, so, so how was it that. trying to switch over, trying to translate into, you know, learning to count bars, song structure, and all that from doing from writing poems to just learning how to write and construct a song? Well, since you know me personally, uh, I'm very competitive, so it's kind of like I love a challenge, and it wasn't really that difficult for me, honestly, to transition from poetry to that. Um, The biggest thing for me was actually delivering the message on the mic. I was, like, so scared of the mic for some reason. I couldn't um, necessarily focus and get in the zone. Uh, So once I kind of got over that fear and saw how it turned out, I was like, okay. And then over time, you know, you get more comfortable and you get better. You know, practice makes perfect. At what point did you say that you're just going to, I'm just going to go for it? After, really after that song, I was like, okay, this is for me. And I started writing songs and people started putting me on songs. And then I ended up recording my own songs. And then it was just kind of led me to this point. Now looking back at that first that first song that you recorded or that first uh that feature you recorded. Looking back on it, how whack is that song now? Super like I hope that song never sees the light of day. I haven't even heard it in like forever. But um I'm pretty pretty whack, I'm sure. I'm gonna try to find it then. No, I don't even remember the name of the song, to be honest. But it's just, you know, over time, your delivery gets better, your timing, your cadence, everything. So I feel like each project, I kind of grow. So So do you um, remember that first rap song that you heard that made you, you know, really, I guess, fall in love with rap? I understand that you can start to create music and then fall in love with making music. But what was that song? If you remember that made you say, damn, I really fuck with rap music. It was probably, I can't say a specific song, but that eight ball and MJG coming out hard album was like, Oh, (laughs) I can say my, 
my first song that made me go was A Ball and MJG coming out hard, Mr. Big. That was like super epic, that song. Like that's still jams to this day. The whole album still jams for me. Like I, because my sister had it on tape. She had that, Two Live Crew, uh, like Magic Mike or some shit like that. But it was always when she put in a ball and MJG. I would always want to hear Mr. Big. It yeah, just it that had that long ass intro, but soon as he dropped that first bar, oh man, that was dope. All right, well, I guess we... That wasn't planned. I ain't, I don't think I've ever asked you that before, so... No, you've asked me a million other things, but you've never asked that. I ain't really give a fuck. <laughs> you give a fuck. <laughs> <coughs> All right. Don't act like you don't care. What, uh, other than A-Ball and MJG, what, what did you listen to? What else did you listen to? I listened to... Tupac, I listened to Bone Thugs, I listened to NWA, I listened to UGK. Those were like kind of my staples. Alright, who did what did you listen to that isn't like the thing that most people say? Like most people say Tupac. Well, um... Go deep. Who did you have? I'm sorry, do what? Go deeper. Like, who What? Who else was, like... I've the, always listened to other kinds of music, though. Like, I listen to, like, some Guns N' Roses and stuff. I was listening to, you know... Even now, I don't really just listen to rap. I just like good music. All right. That's whack. But... <laughs> wow. All right, other, okay, then. So, if we step out you of rap... You treat all of your people like that? They're just me. <laughs> Nah, just you. This is going to be an epic one. This one going to go a long way. I've oh, listened to your other interviews. We got, I, I got to, I got to beat that. All right. So you got, so outside of uh, rap, when you were growing up, what was you listening to? Um, I just told you, like Guns N' Roses. I listened to. Give me an album. You know, an album or a song or one of those. Like, everybody has a song or something that just takes them back to their childhood. It it, it could be, like, from when I was growing up, my mom loved uh, Kirk Franklin, and she would always play The Temptations. So now I hate The Temptations because the, The Temptation was always a reminder that it was Sunday and we need to clean up. I remember my grandma listening to Julio Iglesias, like, over and over. Like, she had this vision that she was going to, like, one day marry him, all this stuff. Like, that, I couldn't tell you a name of a song in particular, but she wore his music out. And what, so do you, do, do you like that kind of music, or is that one of those type of things, like, I like everything, but I hate. Whatever that is. Hate is such a strong word. I don't hate anything, bro. Nah, um, Come on. <laughs> no, nah, it's not that I hate it. It's just not my, you know, my thing. See, parents traumatize their kids with the shit that they <laughs> listen to over and over and over again. This is true. All right. So, uh, you were rapping. You started doing features. 
you started uh doing songs at what point did you decide i want to make my first own project I was actually, my best friend Capo, rest in peace Capo, um, he and I were kind of working on a project together. Not necessarily a project, but just recording several songs together we had been recording. And he was like, going to start a record label, and he did. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to put out my own project. It was like he was going to drop his project, and I was going to drop my project. And we had several other artists that were on the label as well. But, like, I was second out the gate. So I had started recording for that. And then he got murdered. And then it was like I kind of just kept going on with that. And that's when I dropped the mixtape, Like It, Love It, or Go Kill Yourself. Now, how did y'all get together? Was he one of those first people to help you write? Uh, I mean, um, help you record and and teach you the process? Or did he just kind of come along the way? He was one of the first people that just really, like, I guess that's when I just really started taking it, like, seriously. Like, this could be my job. This could be something that I'm really, really going to pursue. Because at first it was like I loved it, and I was doing it, but I had really no clue where to go from there. Once I met him, it was like he believed in me, and we just kind of went from there, and it was like, you know, we were in the studio all the time. It was, he was flying producers in, you know, to make me beats. And it was just, that's when it really became real for me. In that era, do you remember the dopest song that you made that just kind of was like, man, I really go hard with this? Um, it was probably a song it never like made it on a project or anything like it at that point one of the ones that i thought was like really okay i never put it out and full disclosure i'm gonna tell y'all that t leo so love making a lot of dope shit that don't ever (laughs) see the light of day if she dies she's gonna have some tupac like type shit hidden somewhere and don't even know it um, but you know, like, I am my worst critic, so there's certain things I'm just like, nah, I'm not going to put it out. Oh, it's coming out. We're going to find it. We're going to find that first whack-ass feature you did. We're going to put it all out there. Yeah, like, you keep trying to make me relive that one song. I won't mention it. I'm going to mention the song, but not yet. <laughs> <sighs> all right and so you um so you you come out with like it or love it or kill yourself what made you come up with that title because that's an incredibly long title for a first project well you know i was still kind of learning the ropes at the time and um i was just i was very angry at that point in time um like i said capo had just got murdered um someone else i'm not going to mention the name but who I thought was a friend at the time had come at me and was like, Hey, you know, I want to put your project out and this and that. And I started dealing with them. And then there was a lot of different, like just shady stuff going on through the business aspect of it. And at that point, um, I tried to talk to that person and they wouldn't like communicate with me. 
and I just kind of went off. You know, I'm like, I'm a female, you're a dude, why aren't you communicating with me? And the people around us were like, well, he wants to wait till you calm down to talk to you. And I was like, fuck that, basically. And so at that moment, I was just like, fuck the world. That was the way I felt. And I just kind of, you know, was like, I'll never depend on anyone else again. I'm just going to do this, you know. And that's what I did. And I was kind of, you know, I've calmed down a lot since then and evolved as a person, a human since then. So it's like I was so angry and just dealing with a lot, you know, of emotions at that point in my life. And I guess that's why the title was so, you know, in your face. When you when you was writing poetry, what kind of poetry did you write? It wasn't really like aggressive, but it was kind of more dark and strange. You know, I'm more drawn to weird things. So that was kind of my thing. It was kind of very deep and meaningful. It wasn't like about love. It was just more about like your thoughts and things like that. You may... Uh, like to love to kill yourself, and I think that's the last time I'm gonna say that whole thing all the way out. When you made that, (laughs) (laughs) when you made it and put it out, and it's it's in the public, what was the next thing you were thinking to do? The next thing was like, okay, let me start working on the next project, and then that project was like still, it was it was less dark. Because it was almost like after I got out all that aggression and everything I was feeling at the moment, I kind of, you know, saw a little more light at the end of the tunnel. And the next project wasn't so dark, even though it was called Mentally Disturbed. Now, Mentally Disturbed, um, comparing, comparing the two, um, I would say that first project did sound very aggressive, but it also sounded really, uh, I'm going to say immature versus mentally disturbed. What, what was the things that changed for you going into mentally disturbed? Because I would say that would be the one where you see the real hard transition to, even your style, the delivery, comfort, and everything else like that? Well, I think during Like It, Love It, or Go, Show Yourself, I was still, like, learning um, myself, you know? I, I was still experimenting with music and learning, and then also it was a mixtape, so it was over industry beats, and it was like I was in a whole nother mind frame back then. I was very young, and still just figuring life out and it mentally disturbed, you know, I had kind of been through a lot and I just kind of was starting to evolve and kind of soften up, I guess, as a person. And um, Excuse me, did you say soften up? Yes, sir, I did. Okay. (laughs) Well, motherfucking lady, you know. (laughs) But, um, you know, I just started kind of like, I guess, trying to be a little more vulnerable because as you know, I'm not very emotional in real life, but um, I will be vulnerable in my music. So I just kind of started to open up more instead of being so surface about things. 
and also changing the subject that I was the subject matter that I was actually rapping about before. Okay, you talked about the mixtape, but at the same time, um, being in the Texas culture, and I don't think we mentioned this, but being in Dallas, being in the Texas culture, uh, that was the thing to do to make the mixtape. Um, better yet, I think most people called anything they made at that time a mixtape. A mixtape. Then you go to Mentally Disturbed. I believe that's, I think that, that is all original music, isn't it? I think yes. so. Yeah. Was there a more, did you find more comfort in that process, making more original records with a real strong song structure versus just blurting out raps? Definitely. Um, you know, because you can be more original. You know, I think like kind of when you've heard a song, even um, on, on a beat and even when you try to, even when you make it your own, you could go a completely different route. But in the back of your mind, there's still kind of that, you know, the original song on there, you're still kind of stuck. Even though like I would take the original beat and the industry beat and like change it to something completely original, totally off the subject of what it was about. There's still, you know, when people listen to it, they know what it is. Where an original beat, you can just kind of, you know, you're starting from scratch, scratch. I always found it more of a challenge to be able to redefine someone else's beat. Definitely. Like, like to take, even though people, like you take, like you take a real popular song, probably let's say, uh, f- from the window to the wild, whatever that little John shit. If you could take get on that, um, basically at that time one of the biggest songs in the country, and then make people forget that that was the original song. I think that's the biggest challenge. I think that also, um, <clears throat> I-, I don't know. I think that I think doing something like that makes a stronger pen or a stronger, a stronger way of looking at presentation and writing songs because I, I I think it's just tough. And I think it's tough in general to write a song, um, a, a song that can be unforgettable that when it's off, people are still humming, uh, 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 the hook or, or, or thinking about that one line that said, so I always, when I was writing music, like, and I jumped on someone else's, beat that was already made that's what i wanted to do if i was going to put a hook on it i wanted you to almost forget that that is someone else's song and if if mm-hmm. i was lucky enough you heard my version first and then when you heard the original you thought man that shit is whack so it's just me um so you go from mentally disturbed why did you name it that title Other than being crazy. uh, Well, I'm not crazy, for one. Um, You seem to think so, but that's neither here nor there. Oh, Um, okay. You do that and I'm a Google. Go ahead. But um, that's just kind of how I felt at the time. I was just like, you know, I'm not crazy. I was dealing with a lot of emotions. And I was just like, I'm just a little mentally disturbed. So by no means crazy. I mean, I'm obviously a functioning human being. 
so was Jeffrey Dahmer. But I digress. <laughs> um, I'm not out here killing people, man. Uh, see, I was killing people with these bars. Killing it. Ay, ay, ay. Uh, <laughs> do you have a favorite song on Mentally Disturbed that's not all of them? I don't have a favorite anything. Um, but one that I kind of meant something to me was Down. Featuring Beyonce. Okay. Fair enough. It's a real dope song on that bitch called Fantasy, but whatever. Um, oh, Fantasy. Okay, let me, excuse me. Let me let me take that back. Fantasy also featuring you. Um, <laughs> Shit. That was actually a song that, um, that kind of song kind of took me out of my normal element. Um, I had never really done a sexual song. And I remember you sent me that beat, and you were like, just do whatever on it. And, you know, I was like, okay. And that beat made me feel a certain way. Um, it was very, had a sexual undertone to it. And undertone. so then I remember, well, the whole song was sexual, but the actual <laughs> music of it, um, the musical part had a certain sexual undertone. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to write this. And I wrote it. And then I remember I sent it to you. I recorded it myself. And I sent it to you. And then you were like, ah. And so then you did your verse and you were like, do another eight bars on there. And a lot of people really love that song. To this day, uh, dudes still hit me up about that song. But that kind of took me out of my normal box. So thank you, Ro. Uh, uh, you're welcome. You're, you're definitely welcome. That's why I'm kind of famous on the Kind of Famous podcast. Um, <laughs> after listening to uh your first project and then you doing that song and the way you did it i honestly feel like maybe i don't know how comfortable or uncomfortable it was to write that song and then to hear it all put together and put out and whatever comes with making a song like that but i feel like you became more comfortable writing uh i'm gonna say expanding the 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 your topic range because before you was making a certain kind of subject matter when it came to relationship Mm -hmm. and then making that which led to another song that I'm going to bring back later that you don't want to talk about I think when you can can, I remember this I remember when I first started rapping or not even first started rapping but I met a guy named coffee black he sent me this song a very very pop song i've never made i never made a song with a with a beat that fast and that was on all this extra pop music type shit and i remember when when he sent me that song he wanted me to do it and he told me why he wanted me to do it and i did it and that was the first time making that song and it was like dope and Mm -hmm. he put it on his project and it was one of the best songs on the project it made me change how I look at songs. Then it was like, I could, I'll take any beat, any subject, and then I can get on anything without worrying about, am I, you know, being, I stopped worrying about if I'm being authentic to myself. To me, making right. the music was, a that's all it was about, making something dope. And after you made that and you made, it, it seemed like you, you were open to any subject at that point. 
and you would talk about anything. And then if it was good, it was good. If it wasn't, it wasn't. But you, I think it just opened up your range. That's what I'm looking for. Such an easy word. Definitely. And then at that point, I kind of started feeling more comfortable in my craft as well to where like, okay, I got this, you know, and um, started making more concept songs versus just songs. You know what I mean? Like it was more like, that's when I kind of started my whole storytelling thing. Because I would say Mentally Disturbed, a lot of the songs are more like concept songs or or more story-based songs than just rapping for the sake of rhyming. Correct. So for Mentally Disturbed, what was, you dropped that album, or, well, fuck it, album. Um, how was your life changing at, at, at that point? I know you you know, took on manage, different management situations and different trying to take your career a certain direction. What was happening around that time? So then I started recording for another project and um, I was doing shows and had, you know, a couple different managers and just certain stuff. I was going through certain stuff and situations and I maybe wasn't so focused as I should have been. And then I kind of had... Um, got caught up in a situation and um, then I kind of just like took a break and then um, during that break like basically every song that I had recorded for that next project I was just like I'm not putting any of this out Um, because the situation kind of changed my whole way of thinking and um, I had to do a complete lifestyle change basically so after that, um, I made it through that struggle, and then I ended up, that's when I linked up to Mouthquake, and I started recording for No Love, the EP. So basically, I have like a ton of songs that will never see the light of day. Um, I may like, you know, sell them to another artist or something, but um, I'm just not in that mind frame, and in and, and changing my way of thinking, it was kind of like, I want my message, you know, us as musicians, we're messengers, and I wanted to make sure that the message that I get across is something that, like, I was content with and would probably be content with for the rest of my existence, and so that's why a lot of those songs, the things I was talking about, and the way I was living my life at the time, um, I'm not living my life like that anymore. So I just kind of changed everything up. And who is Mousequake? Mousequake was the executive producer of No Love and actually of the last project, Sanity, as well. Um, How did y'all get he connected? Kind of, actually, he had, uh, he had reached out to me a few years back asked me to get on a project and I didn't know who he was and so I was just like yeah just holler at my manager well he was like whatever you know and just never did well then um, a few years later I ended up judging a competition with him uh, we were both judges of this one competition master the mic and we ended up chopping it up there so after that I was like, well, you know, maybe I'll get him to mix something. And then in the process of discussing him mixing some stuff, he was going to mix the project for No Love. And then I was like, 
you should be my executive producer. And kind of, you know, he was just like, nah, you can't afford me. I was like, okay. So then after working together, and he saw my work ethic and that I could take direction a little bit, sort of, kind of. Um, <laughs> Boy. He started working from there. Little bit. Whatever. I do. I can take direction. Up, down, left, right. But other than that. Uh... <laughs> Don't expose me, bro. You're supposed to be my friend in real life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so. But getting with Mousequake, um, I would argue is probably one of the better things that happened for you. Definitely. Um, and being, uh, this is what, <clears throat> this is why, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to have to expose it a little bit. So I'm going to pull some of this curtain back. I think uh. what happens sometimes with artists is they believe so much into themselves that they don't listen to people who may know a little extra. But at the same time, I think sometimes the outside criticism isn't uh, delivered in a way that makes sense for talented people. Uh, To me, what I've noticed, at least, being with a person like Mousequake, um, you seem, and maybe it has to do with some of the different things that was happening along the way that got you to where you're at now, but more discipline in your approach to making music, more discipline in your approach to to dealing with people. Um, and I think a lot of artists, and I've met several who just, critique is hard for them to take, especially when you know you're talented, especially when you know you're good at what you do, to have people who barely know you or barely, <clears throat> that you barely respect, um, tell you that you're doing something wrong or tell you, you know, how you need to do this or that better. It's hard to take. I think you get in with Mousequake, um, who it seems to me, and I've only talked to him, I think one or two times or something like that. He's just as, (laughs) I'm going to say just as aggressive as I am Uh about the process. Um, and I think a lot of people don't care about the process. I think you very much care about the process. And I think that uh, having someone like that in your camp who's looking out for you only makes you better as long as you take and keep direction. So I joke about taking direction, but I think most entertainers in all walks need to be able to know I am only as good as the people around me. Definitely. And actually, I had a radio interview last night, and I was speaking on you. See, you treat me like the way you treat me, but see, I do speak good about you behind your back. So, yes. And, um, but definitely, like, you and Mousequake are, like, a huge, huge, huge part of um, my music. Um, Even though... It's, it's more of a behind-the-scenes thing because, like, you, like I was saying last night, like, you are the person for years that is just on my ass. And as much as, like, I can't stand you sometimes, like, I love you. 
because, like, you keep me grounded. Um, you keep me focused a lot of the time. You tell me how it is. And it's just like, I totally trust you. Um, I've known you way longer than Mousequake. Um, Mousequake, it's like a different aspect. Um, I know he believes in me, supports me. He wants to see me win. Uh, he gives me good direction. It's more of a mentor type thing. Um, and so like y'all too, like I totally trust y'all when it comes to music and as friends and like my family knows, like if I die or something happens to me, whatever the case may be, like, you know, y'all two are kind of, you know, and I've linked y'all to like, hey, if anything happens to me, you know, I know that you will make sure, you know, Mousequake has my music and I know that you will make sure, you know, you know what I want and my vision for things. So I'm so grateful for y'all. <laughs> you know, I, I do what I can, man. I'm just out here doing the Lord's work, you know. I just do what I do what God commands me, and I just make it happen. You know, I'm yeah, gonna get my yeah. blessings and my riches at the Golden Gates. You know, you don't worry about me because God got me. <laughs> um, speaking on the industry, I mean the industry. How has that been? Um, uh, when looking at your social media, there is a you're very vocal about some of the behind the scene um, way that things work in terms of one being a woman in music, but also how shady things can be. Um, why do you think it is so tough for not just women in music, but a up and coming woman trying to make it as a rapper? I mean, it's just, I think the industry is just, like I said the other day, love the music, hate the industry. It's just like this industry is so fucked up. Um, not everybody is who they claim to be. Not everybody is genuine. You know, and, and I think once you realize that, like I learned the hard way because I feel like sometimes, or I guess I used to feel that, you know, because my intentions were good, that everyone else's would be. And it doesn't work that way. Like, most people are just out for themselves. And they only want to see you winning as long as it will be beneficial to them. There's very few people that would genuinely just want you to win. And so once you know that and you, like, are okay with that, it makes everything easier. Like, now it doesn't get to me. Before, I used to get in my feelings about things. But it's like this is a business and it's cutthroat. So I'm okay with that. I was built for it. So it's like, now I don't get in my feelings about things. I just see people for who they are and it's easier to work that way. So you can't control everything. You know, you can only can be in control of what you do. So I just know, you know, to keep my moves quiet and, know the people who I'm dealing with. Um, that's why I keep my circle super duper small. And there's very few people that know the, you know, the inside of things and how my whole Tilioso thing is run, you know. Everything that, like, I put on social media is, like, subliminal, but then it's, you know, very surface. There's so much more that, you know, I just choose not to share. But... I mean, that's, that's how the music game goes. 
who what who's worse to deal with in terms of the industry is it other artists or is it more so the people behind the music mm, i mean the artists are just kind of the artists um a lot of them are too stuck on themselves and stuff which i don't really deal with a lot of artists so it's not you know i don't rap for other rappers i rap for the people so it's kind of like it doesn't really affect me what other artists do but um because I don't really deal with them. You know, as you see, I don't really have any features other than a few singers on the last two projects. So it's like not, you know, that's not the detrimental part to me. It's more of the business aspect or the when someone says they're going to do something and they don't do it or, you know, someone trying to get in where they fit in, you know, because they think it's going to benefit them. But then you realize, you know, they really can't bring anything to the table. They're just here to eat, you know. Do you think there's uh, that is tougher? Well, we know it's tougher for women, but what do you think are those biases that make people treat um, women trying to make it in music different than they treat men? I think a lot of it is like, you know, it's a man's world and the respect factor, you know, too many I can't knock anybody else for what they do or how they choose to make their money or whatever, you know, but too many people, it's like, even people try to go, well, you need to show more cleavage. You need to do this. You need to do that. You know, everything is so show off your body to do this, you know, where it's more about respect. I mean, I want to be respected as a lyricist, as a storyteller, as an artist, you know, um, I don't want to just be, a pretty face and you know this and that like I want people to listen to the music to be able to resonate with it to I take the art seriously where the game has gotten so watered down now and it's so flooded with so much bullshit and a lot of it is winning you know so it's like like I said I'm not knocking anybody else for what they do but I feel like a lot of it women don't get respect for the way that a lot of the women carry themselves in this industry. You know, a lot of them fuck their way to get up the ladder. A lot of them, you know, do this and that to get up the ladder. But it's, you know, I'm not selling my soul for this shit. So it may take me a little bit longer, but, you know. Who's the dopest female rapper uh, to you, like, that you've heard? Like, in the city or just period? Period. For you. Huh. Well, right now, there's not a lot out there <laughs> uh, to choose from. But I think, like, Missy Elliott was, like, a creative genius in her time. Like, she was super dope to me. Okay. Very creative, different, innovative. Who, okay, if you had to pick one. Let me see. Let me see if I can put together three. Um, Missy. All right, here we go. Missy Elliott. Mm-hmm. Lauren Hill. Um, who can I give three to? I don't know if I got a third. I'm pretty. I know it's a dope ass, like. Female, I just don't, you don't think about them when you have the conversation about dope rappers, but 
All right. That's the problem. <laughs> All right. Well, how do you, one well, between the two? Who would you pick out. if you had to pick one? So, yeah. <laughs> if you had to pick one from those two, who would you pick? Uh, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, I feel like Lauren Hill. Yeah, that's fruit. Is, is a deeper thinker, you know. Um, she's more of a lyricist to me versus Missy, but Missy is equally as dope, you know, just on a different lane. But I don't think Missy gets the credit that she deserves, and I don't know if it's an, an a, a attractiveness, attractiveness thing or if it's just because she is, like, the the rap the female ludicrous of female rappers uh mm-hmm. like missy's more of an upbeat fun um very creative different lauren hill is more of a realist um very deep on some other shit type Rapper to me. On some other shit like being late, not showing up, that kind of shit, or you just mean like Oh, uh, <laughs> that that too, but you know, we're not gonna go ahead and talk about that. You know, let her make it. All right. Let her make it. <laughs> so so what what needs to happen? I mean, you can't you can't police how people respect, you know, uh female rappers, but what needs to happen in order to get that respect for them? Because I mean it's a lot of them. You got you got a lot that's coming or there's a lot of women who's been rapping forever, but you got like your Nicki Minaj's, the young Maz, the shit. I don't know. It's a bunch of them, but people would say that Nicki can rap. Remy Ma can rap. The young M.A. chick can rap. Like, but when it comes down to, uh, or uh, I don't know what people think of Dej Loaf. I just know she out there. There's uh Shit, I can't think of this other girl sound just like Deja Loaf. But it's that a lot of them. Said they were dope. I mean, definitely. But as far as what needs to happen, I'm not sure what needs to happen. You tell me. You tell me, bro. I don't know. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you what I do know is that a lot of dudes just say it's hard to listen to female rappers. Well, that's the thing, too, I've heard. Um... Because a lot of it, you know, maybe the content that they're speaking on. But see, that's why, like, with this last project, Sanity, I wanted to make a lot of concept songs. Um, I was going through, you know, relationship issues. I spoke on that. I was going through my little, you know, legal issue, which I spoke on that on the first song, Sanity. Um, So it's like I wanted to, like, really be vulnerable in this project and really kind of open up. You know, this is me. Let me expose myself. Um, And so that's why I kind of stuck to the concept songs and storytelling. And I wanted to touch on different aspects of the whole relationship process and the breakup process and the meeting someone new process. And those are things that both men and women both go through um so i wanted to kind of hit it from different angles so maybe you know if one didn't resonate with someone another one would you know so sanity uh came out february 14th um 
2017, uh, which is your birthday. Yeah. Uh, Aquarius. Yeah, no one cares about that. And Whatever. <laughs> I will say, I think, and I think Sanity is probably your most complete project um, that I've heard you make. Uh, I think it's a mix of everything the the bar the the hard bars that you had in your first uh first project like it or love it or the rest of it because I said I wasn't gonna say the whole thing um some of that um uh newfound what a, what range that you had in mentally disturbed with certain songs that are sexual in nature or or or, or explore sexuality and then some of the different concepts that you have in no love so when you get all the way to sanity i think it encompasses all of the previous projects in terms of tone creativity uh and balance uh that is one reason i think is probably one of the dopest projects i i personally like no love as my favorite but i think that sanity is more complete i think that if if I was, I think that's the more definitive Telioso project or album to ever been made. Even okay. with songs that I think should have been on there that are not, it's still complete. Um, well, there's still time for another album. Don't stop me while I'm talking. So a song that you think may should have been on there maybe on the next one. But it may, forget it. I'm not going to lose no sleep waiting for you to put the songs that I like on the project. But I think Sanity is, I, I think that's one that most people should hear. Um, I think it, it really does show a whole range and journey. You know, I, I always look, when I'm looking for looking at a new artist or someone I've never heard of, I'm always looking for that project that makes me go, okay, what else they got? So for me, like, I'm not the biggest Migos fan, but the Culture album is like, that's a definitive Migos. So now when I look around, you can see the growth. And that's mm -hmm. what I like to find in any new person. I think that Sanity is going to be that project or is that project because it does, when you listen to uh, a number of those songs <clears throat> and you have a great production on there, uh, great mixes on several of these songs that I think it makes you go, oh, I want to find that other song like this that she may have. And they may find, you know, uh, uh, that dope-ass song, Fantasy. Or they may find a song like Good or whatever, just anything uh, <laughs> that's out that there uh, that can bring them back and figure out, okay, how much, what else does she have out there? So I think you should should do whatever you can to make sure more people can get to that project uh, because this is that one. And it pleases me to know that you're out there doing these, doing radio and all this to get the promotion on it because I think more people get this. This can be the one that like changes your life. Puts you from this state of where you're at in being to the skyrocket next level because i will put <clears throat> people if you have not checked out anything from telioso google telioso t-e-l-e-o-s-o -E -E and go find 
the Sanity Project. I would recommend starting there. And if you start there, you get that project off Bandcamp, iTunes, Google Play Store. I guarantee that you'll go look for more. And go stream it, whatever. If you're too cheap to buy it, go stream it on Tidal, whatever, Spotify. If you're too cheap to buy a whole project, go buy that one song, that two songs, whatever it is that, you know. Go to Pandora. Go make your Telioso radio, T-E-L-E-O-S-O, and just let whatever play play. It'll get you. But I would definitely recommend Sanity from start to finish. And then go from there. Now, that's a plug right there. That's a good ass Appreciate plug that. right there. Um, <laughs> what do you think about Remy Ma and Nicki Minaj? Talk about uh, it. I don't think about it. You gotta think about it. You're a female rapper. You're in the industry. This is uh, it's not a lot. And you get hot. Someone comes for you. So you have to kind of uh, think about it. Okay, so what do you what do you what are you asking me? What do you, what exactly are you asking me? <laughs> what do I think about it? So, all right, we'll 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 go beyond the surface conversation about if the the the, the disses are whack or whatever. There is this idea to me um, mm-hmm. that women in this industry. In order to be on top, they got to go against each other. And people like women shouldn't have to do that to make it. But this is a part of what rap started on. Whoever were the two dopest or whoever had the crown, someone had to go for it. Right. Can you foresee the possibility that you may end up having to go for someone's crown? Or are you going to lean on? I'm going to let the music speak for myself, speak for itself. I mean, at this point in my life, I'm kind of like, a, you know, I don't have beef with anybody. Like, if I do or someone has beef with me, I'm totally unaware of it. Um, so please highlight the girl. Um, but basically, I mean, I feel like in order for women to really get the respect, like, it's got to be, like, women are supposed to uplift each other. Everybody's too busy, you know, with this whole, I'm the queen, I'm the queen. Yeah, okay. But it's like, you see these dudes, these dudes are out here making money and working together. And, you know, it's a business. This is a business. So it's like, you know, yeah, there's different apps. You know, I don't know, man. It's, if someone comes for me, though, I will get on that level. But I'm just saying, I personally... There's nobody. I'm just like, oh, let me go out here and, you know. Because some people go go at someone because they feel threatened by them. And if they were to come to you. That's usually how it does, though. But I I wouldn't necessarily make that strictly about um, women versus women. I think it's just a part of the bravado and everything. for lack of better terms, the dick measuring contest that is rap music. Cause you, it's either I'm making the hottest song. I got the hottest, like you get on, you even yourself earlier said that, um, you like a challenge. You want to be challenged. I mean, you want to be the better person and something like Kendrick Lamar, 
uh, verse on Big Sean's song. He basically went for everyone on the song. Mm-hmm. But no one goes, man, we supposed to be out here uplifting each other as men. It's just, hey, sometimes you just got to go for it, make it understood. Now, I don't know if taking it personal is, is one and thing. This is the thing. Like, I'm not saying, like, you know, all the female artists need to get in a circle and hold hands and sing Kumbaya. That is definitely not what I'm saying. Well, maybe. Each his own. What I'm saying is, like, women are so busy, like, beefing with each other, not even in the music aspect, just, like, in general. It's always, like, a competition to where... Maybe that's why we don't get the respect that, you know, a lot of us deserve. But like I said, I'm not knocking anybody else for what they do. I don't really care. It doesn't affect me personally. You know, if it doesn't affect me personally, I can't control it. I don't really give a damn. Um, all I can worry about is the else, though. And so um, as far as the beef thing, it makes for good music, you know, sometimes. Um, it's interesting yeah, you're right. I've actually been dissed before in a song by a dude, go figure. Um, I'm not gonna say any names because like it's for what? Um <laughs> but you know, I mean it is what it is. It's to each his own. I'm not knocking it by any means. It, it was definitely fun. Yeah, um, the Remy Ma shit was whack, but uh <laughs> 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 I was gonna say that. That shit was trash. But <sighs> I'm not. I have no comment on anything. Yeah, oh, that's cool. I'm but she still here. was whack. I'm not, I'm not saying that Nikki <laughs> was was super dope, but I mean, I've said this on the show before. Ten minutes of nonsense, and now since I've made that show to know how Remy responded to this whole situation, it's like you can't back up Alpha B. You can't shoot shots and hide your hands. Um. Who? There's so much I really want to say, but like I just don't, you know. This the almost hold up. <laughs> this the I'm kind of from this podcast. You're gonna say everything, but I'll let you. I'll let you breathe. I'll let you win on that. Um, who who today that you listen to that's not Jay Z or him? Like who is currently active rapping? that you listen to that makes you say, damn, I need to, I need to sharpen my pen up a little bit. Hmm. I really, really like, um, I like B.O.B. a lot. I think he's super dope. Um, for the record, the earth is round, but go ahead. Kendrick, (laughs) Kendrick Lamar. Um, a lot of different things, you know, uh, I'm just kind of on some, like, deeper thinking stuff now. So it's like, I mean, I feel like a ratchet, you know, trap song here and there. But, um, and I listen to, like, a lot of, like, R&B stuff. I like, um, that's Big Slack. I like Frank Ocean. Wait a minute, six. I'm I'm still calling this man. Okay, first of all, let me stop and say this. I don't know what his name is. Honestly, I'm gonna call it. I call black, it black, six, black, but black six black whatever it is. But he's jamming. Yeah. 
Uh, name I mean, people mess up my name all the time, so it's like, hey. Yes, okay, way. see, all right, I'm going to address that, because that's weird to me. If you say, your, like, he ain't singing and saying his name, you say your name on songs. How the fuck? <laughs> you say it on a video, Uh, I'm maybe even introduce yourself as Telioso, and still... It's the, I'm not I'm not shitting on nobody. I'm just saying like it just seems like it should be easy at this point for a rapper who says their name that people should be able to get that right. No yeah, shade. But, you know, some things aren't that easy. I guess <laughs> it can all be so simple. What's the dopest What's the dopest song you think you ever wrote? Mm. You tell me. No, I, I don't I, know. I'm I mean, asking the questions here. I'm biased because it's my music. So there's like different, one song may have more meaning than another one. One I may feel like I was more lyrical on. Um, you know, it, are you saying lyrically? Or are you saying... Uh, you create the criteria and I'll go with it. Let's go send. I need to send them to a song. What song should they go find? What's the dopest song that you put out that 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 you think you wrote? I mean, it depends on what you like. If you're like a deeper thinker, I would say like special. Um, if you want some like clubby type, more upbeat stuff, I would say go to the No Love Project and get uh, Spare Me. If you're going through a heart. I mean, there's kind of something for everything. If you're going through a heartbreak, a heartache, if you did your dude wrong, I mean, there's different. Here we go. For- Here's one. I think. Um, I think if you're going through a domestic violence situation. Yes. Which, for the record, I've never been involved in a domestic violence uh, relationship, but. And what's the name of that I song? Felt like that was a song. Do I? What's the name of that song? That song is called Restraining Order. And um, I felt like getting Restraining Order on dudes a few times, but never because of domestic violence. Um, but, no, I felt like that was, at that point in time when I wrote that song, it was like there was a lot of, like, I just kept seeing it on my news feed and on different social media sites. Like, there was a lot of domestic violence going on at the time. And I felt like, it was something that needed to be addressed. Um, so I just kind of, in that moment, like I'd watched a lot of videos of like real stories and women that were going through that stuff. And just kind of me being a storyteller, I like sat down and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a song, put myself in that situation, in those shoes for that moment and just like get lost. And so that's what I did. Like, I sat down, wrote that song, and just kind of put myself in a position to where, like, if I was in that relationship and probably how I would handle the situation, which everyone handles the situation differently, of course. But um, from my aspect of how I think I would handle a situation like that. And what project is Restain in order on? That's on No Love. All right. You, in between time, you know, as you got out of mentally disturbed and around the um, time of making No Love and 
definitely doing the time of sanity. Uh, you may dabbled into a little bit of art. What made you um, put a degree of commitment into artwork um, almost as equal as to the music? Well, honestly, it was like kind of on a fluke. Uh, when I started painting, it wasn't like supposed to be something that even really anyone knew about. It was just like, you know, I want to find a different outlet for my emotions. Like, all I do is write and write and write. And I wanted to do something kind of different but creative. Just kind of a release of emotions. Um, and I had heard that, you know, painting was relaxing. So I was like, okay. So I went and bought some canvas and paint and paint brushes and just kind of had no clue where to begin. I had never painted before. I used to draw when I was younger, but I have never experimented with paint and so painted a picture and one of my friends was like I want that you know and I was like yeah right whatever you know I I didn't think it was that great I thought it was okay um then I had like posted it and everybody was like oh my god that's so dope and then I like continued to paint and as I painted I would post the paintings and every single time I would post it someone would want to buy it and so then I was like, oh, well, then it, it, like, became a business, like, rapidly became a business. So I was like, well, this is kind of cool, you know. I can make money off of painting. And that's kind of, like, how I funded my music and really everything how I pay my bills. Um, I paint and people buy it. And I was doing, uh, like, custom orders and stuff like that, but it got too it became stressful. And I was like, wait a minute, this was all supposed to be for like relaxation and fun. And it became too stressful. So I kind of like pulled back on doing the custom orders. And now it's kind of like, I'll paint what I want to paint and you can buy it if you like it. So that's kind of how I've been doing it. So it's less stressful. And see, as well, I think that people are rappers or entertainers. We'll just, I'll say more specifically rappers. The the idea that making it is expensive is not always true. Sometimes the most is is not always fiscally true. Sometimes it's the sweat equity that costs that will help you fund what whatever it is you want to do. If you That's if you right. want to rap and you want to get in the studio. Uh, everyone can find a way to get uh, anyone who gives a fuck enough and want and willing to work hard enough will always find a way to make to realize their dreams. Anyone who keeps finding the excuse not to realize those dreams don't really want it that bad. In my opinion, you may feel like you want it, but there is some degree of sacrifice you have to make. And it's not always going to be a dollar amount that's assigned to that. Uh, it's risk, you know, like. You know, for you to spend that much time on creating art, uh, 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 paintings and things like that, uh, that's taken away from the craft of songwriting. But the receipt for that is to continue to be able to make music and afford it. And now, like you said, you are able to used art to not just afford to get studio time get things mixed but also pay some bills 
Don't always got to get out there in these streets, people, is what I'm trying to say. You could do something more, and if you commit to it, it'll open doors to the things that you never imagined. Definitely, because now I'm making money off of music, you know? So now it's like, you know, I painted to be able to create music and get quality beats and quality studio and quality mixing and everything else to where now I make money off music. So it's still make money off painting. So it's definitely, and I feel like, you know, everybody is good at something. It's just like you really have to figure out what it is. I think... A lot of people are just too lazy or they doubt themselves. No, I can't do this. You know, oh, I could never do that. Well, with that attitude, you really probably won't. And so it's just a matter of not saying everybody can paint or everybody can write music. It's just a matter of finding something you're good at and being passionate about it. Mm -hmm. Because everything that I'm passionate about, I seem to reap benefits off of it. Tell people where they can find you. Find me in the streets, no, I'm like, um, oh, you can find, <laughs> I'm not gonna tell them where they can find me specifically, but no, um, anything social media, you can find me, it's T-E-L-E-O-S-O, T-E-L-E-O-S-O, and that's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, whatever, um, for the art, you can look up Oso Artistry. I have a page on Facebook. I have a page on Instagram. Um, and this cookbook that people keep about. Um, actually, you, Ro, are the person who... <laughs> Ain't it? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, me. <laughs> Ro is actually the person that has... It was his idea that I come out with a cookbook. And, you know, he stays on me about that along with everything else. Um, so I am slowly but surely going to come out with this cookbook. Um, you can go look up Culinary Oso on Facebook. I have a page for my food and cooking and stuff of that sort. But um, unfortunately, there's only one me, so I cannot do everything that I need to do in the proper amount of time. Some things, you know, kind of bump other things out of, the lead so I am going to try to focus uh, take some time to focus on that as well so I can get this cookbook out and um, people can leave me alone about it especially you bro well, I'll try and you can also go find uh, Tilioso Music um, the no more specifically the No Love uh, album and the San the new Sanity album that just came out on yeah, on what? It's on everything. On iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, whatever streaming outlet you use, it's there. Now go get that. Or Bandcamp. Or Bandcamp. Throw a few coins that way. Um, <clears throat> this is the I'm Kind of Famous podcast. Make sure you go check every. I'm and we'll link some of this stuff on the Facebook page on the Kind of Famous. Uh, Facebook page at Kinda Famous Pod, K I N D A Famous Pod, P O D. You can also find on Twitter, SoundCloud, uh, iTunes, and the Google Play Store. Um, and what else? What else I got to say? Uh, Arrow Films, go get that. Uh, people collect Definitely the shirts. Arrow Films, and he just shot a commercial. Oh, and oh man, yo, uh huh. Keep, you yep. gotta forget. You gotta uh, forget the shameless plug. Well, all right, and, shit, um, plug it. <laughs> and my song, 
uh, actually a song that isn't on a project. I just threw it out there mm. uh, from Michelle Obama. That song is being used on a commercial. Michelle and Obama's being used on the EFC. Uh, <laughs> I said that too extra. Uh, that yeah, that song I think is one of the dopest songs that she wrote. It's straight bars. I think are like a lot. I, I I tried to get her to name it Michelle Obama. I hope she running with Michelle Obama because it's a hard. It's it's a powerful song. I think it's really uh speaking to uh the dominance of what women can be. But I think it rocks all the way around. So we I decided that in um. The work that I do with uh, Dave the Caveman Rickles, who's a Bellator MMA fighter who makes uh, uh, MMA shows locally, will be running a commercial doing the Nico Hernandez uh, Olympic uh, boxer doing his uh, pro fight. We'll run that commercial, and that commercial will feature that song. But that song is going to be featured on many other uh, uh, different advertisements because it does just fall right in line. With that idea of being an underdog, which a lot of women in America feel that they are, but also rising to the top. Cream of the crop. Cream de la creme. But anyway, yeah, we're going to get out of here because we've been going for about an hour and 15 minutes. And we got to end this song. This is the I'm Kind of Famous. Uh, in this song. In this show. This is the I'm Kind of Famous podcast. New episodes every Thursday. iTunes iTunes, Google Play Store, SoundCloud. And whatever you need to find, just go to the Facebook page or Twitter. And we'll be back next time. I'm kind of famous. So, in light of you being kind of famous, why the hell I'm kind of famous? Who the hell she knows?